0: Welcome to the Hermit's Lamp podcast. That musical intro was made by my daughter Claire. Uh, I appreciate deeply that her arrhythmic sense of tunes matches so deeply my own, even though we don't actually talk about the music and how she's going to make it. I simply gave her a free license to make something that she thought would be interesting to play at the opening of the podcast. Speaking of the podcast, I really would like to thank everybody who supports the Patreon. It makes transcriptions possible. It makes the fact that I'm going to be acquiring some new recording hardware in the next month possible. And it also facilitates me continuing to prioritize this project because, as you might imagine, I have a lot on the go. It allows me to continue to prioritize what amounts to basically a whole workday of my month set aside for this project if you have been enjoying this podcast and all 92 episodes before this one if you think accessibility is important as i do then you can support the transcription process as well as continue to support me in providing this podcast to the world jump on over to patreon.com slash lamp every little bit helps Welcome to another episode of the Hermit's Lamp Podcast. I am here with Wan Ku to talk about magic and to talk about glamour and uh, all sorts of interesting things. I've been uh, following their work for a while and... You know, a little while ago, they were discussing how they were working glamour to forward their podcast and some of the other stuff in their lives. And I thought, yes, this is this is a topic that I really have been looking for a chance to talk about. And this is the person that I'd love to talk about it with. So, um, for those who don't know you yet, uh, why don't you introduce yourself, though, Chawon?
1: Oh well, thank you for having me on your show. Uh, so, my name is Chawon, and I am Korean American, and I started off in life as a hardcore atheist, skeptic, so I've only been doing magic for about two and a half, three years, but unknowingly, I've been doing glamour magic all my life,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and about two years ago, I started to get more into magic, and then that was about the time I started my YouTube channel. So my YouTube channel started off first as like a mukbang, which is the Korean word for like people just eating a massive, obscene amount of food. Uh, but then it slowly evolved into me talking to other magic practitioners. I was extremely lucky that uh, Jason Miller, he was an early supporter of mine mm-hmm. and um Thanks to the interview that I had with him, I was able to get other guests on. Um, I've had Aiden Walker, who you've had on many times. Sure. Um, love his book. And throughout my journey, um, you can see on my YouTube channel, just with each person that I talk to, I'm learning as I'm interviewing them. I'm not at all a very experienced witch, but um, it's me talking to them, trying to get their expertise. And using my glamour magic, or me trying to use glamour magic on each video like my goal in my youtube channel is every video i want to look like one percent cuter uh-huh. so i mean the thing about glamour magic especially when it's visual is that you can tell when it works and you can tell when it doesn't work the feedback is instant it's obvious because it's visual so that's kind of how i practice my magic through something mm-hmm. as quote-unquote mundane as doing a youtube channel
0: i think that's great though i think that um you know a long time ago I used to work in advertising and uh, you know I realized that uh, when I started wanting to freelance that uh, I needed to be way more charming than I actually had been you know <laughs> and 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 so I I set it as a thing to to work on you know and I I, mm-hmm. uh, I did a little bit of magic around it for sure and I did a lot of like all right every time I went in, in public Where's my opportunity to be to be charming to somebody, and how do I pursue that? You know, and just yeah. pushing that comfort zone all the time, and then after a while, you know, it didn't take it didn't even as long as I thought. You know, I just started to switch into this capacity to drop into different social situations and sort of find the right way to sort of be to be myself, but be within those spaces as well. You know, so
1: oh, I think you're very charming.
0: Oh, well, thank you. <laughs>
1: no I think that's what a lot of people get wrong about glamour magic they think that it's you faking a persona Mm -hmm. they think that and I call that faux glamour Mm f-a-u-x glamour because you know it's almost like a pretending almost like you're on Instagram and you're pretending you're in Paris when you're not and pretending you have a great life when your life isn't that great that's not glamour magic that's faux glamour and I consider that actually a type of black magic Mm -hmm. that the advertising world, the marketing world tries to put on people to make them feel bad. Uh, But real glamour magic, you can tell when somebody has real glamour magic because in their presence, you feel warm, you feel accepted, you feel empowered just by being around them. And so that's how you know, when you go onto an Instagram account and you feel like my life is shit after seeing their Instagram account, that's faux glamour. But mm. when you go on somebody's Instagram account and you feel great after you see their pictures, even if they're super beautiful and they're living a super amazing life and you feel great about yourself, that's how you know they're doing real glamour magic.
0: Mm. How how did you learn this stuff? Where where did that I mean, you, you talked about, you know, you've been doing it in one way your whole life, right? But where did where did the not not necessarily the transition from atheist to witch, but the transition from uh you know, not being conscious of what you were doing as Glamour Magic to being conscious of it. How was that transition? How did that come about?
1: Hmm. That's a really good question. I think that all women and all people of color and um, people who are not on, you know, like the either or Mm -hmm. (laughs) spectrum, um, all their life, they do have to practice some sort of Glamour Magic because they're trying to make themselves more palatable to the mainstream so that they can survive. So Mm -hmm. I think as a woman, as a person of color, um, as somebody who considers myself gender fluid, I always had to do Glamour Magic. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I became conscious of it was literally when I did my YouTube channel and the feedback that I was getting. Like um, when I was doing my YouTube channel, people were saying things to me that were very complimentary and i realized that this wasn't like a natural talent that i had in terms of like i'm not somebody who you can put in front of a camera and i like no you know i'm not like this inborn actress Mm -hmm. i don't have that going on and yet i couldn't deny that when i looked at the video i was just like girl you know either the the sun is like hitting you right or something like that. (laughs) i don't know what's going on but there's something there and so that's when i started to study the youtube videos and, and I was just like, you know what? I think this is glamour magic. I wasn't sure, but I was like, I think that's what glamour magic is. And then I started to experiment, like uh, what happens if when I look in the camera, I, I bring this like energy up and I don't mm. know how else to describe it, but it's like, what happens if I bring this energy up to my eyes? And then when I looked at the video, I was just like, holy shit, I can see it. So I think it was literally like two years ago, I was like, oh, okay, I'm doing this
0: yeah I, that piece about uh, you know sort of the way in which you manage your presence around it, I think nice. that that 's really uh profound you know mm-hmm. when you find that when you can figure out where that is, then people are super receptive to that. you know I used to officiate weddings at one <laughs> point yeah. and it was one of the things that I always sort of did on the day of, right. You know, basically from the time I showed up and was hanging out with the couple before the wedding to like the, the actual ceremony, you know, and I wouldn't usually stick around afterwards, but even afterwards for a little bit, um, you know, just having that presence and sort of uh, seeing everybody from that place and providing that energy to it, you know, and on the days where, you know, for whatever reasons, maybe I didn't vibe with the couple as well, maybe I was just really tired, that that was harder. You you could see it, you know, everybody could see it, right? And those were the ones where it felt more like a performance versus an actual connection and and engagement.
1: Absolutely, and that's the reason why I consider Glamour Magic to be one of the most sophisticated types of magic, because you have to be so self-aware, you have to do lots of shadow work, You have to be also kind of aware of yourself in the context of others. So you're working on so many different levels. You have to be authentic, but you also have to be, um, you know, just aware of how you are with just society and the realistic aspects of, okay, this is what society is like right now. How far can I push it to further my agenda without getting completely like killed? Mm -hmm. Um, But I think also that, The thing about glamour magic, too, is that it's very uh, democratic and it's a meritocracy. So the thing is, is that I think a lot of people, a lot of women especially, they tell me, oh, you know, I don't know how to do makeup. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do that. So I can't do glamour magic. And I'm like, no, that's not glamour magic at all, because glamour magic is something that you can develop. Anybody can develop. So again, it's like you don't have to be mainstream beautiful. All you really need to have is a willingness to be completely authentic. And mm. that is a type of bravery that I think most people don't have. So just the fact that you can even entertain just being yourself means that you're already one foot into glamor magic.
0: Yeah, being being open and being present with people. Yeah. Like that is a profound thing. And that's a thing that isn't about what any of us look like, exactly. you know, or, or any of those kinds of things. It's about, uh, you know, that inner state and that kind of uh, inner coherence that we might have, right, if we're able to show up in that way, you know, and I, I think about the, the Uber drivers that I have, you know, I like <laughs> a big city and I take a lot of Ubers and, you know, some of those people are just so open and accessible and that's yeah. really charming you know, that pulls me in. Mm -hmm. And then there's the other people, you know, like my my ride today, where they just sit and stare at the front window and drive and, you know, the music's really like loud. It's obvious they don't want to talk. That's a completely different thing. And, you know, in those situations, it's random, whoever you get, but, but in life, it's not, right? And so if you're more in that first category of people, then people are interested and drawn to that more, right?
1: Absolutely, and think about it. The Uber driver who is more accessible and open and makes you feel comfortable just in their vibe, they're more likely to get a bigger tip.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's just for everybody, just any aspect of life where you want to be successful, instead of faking it, when you're just being you and you're just being brave and you're just loving like everything about this human experience, it's not even good luck. It's almost like because you're being you and you're bringing that out in other people. Your glamour magic brings out the best in others, and it's just this domino effect. Mm -hmm. So this is why, for me, this, you know, faking faux glamour is so dangerous, because in today's world, that's what we see so much of. And Mm -hmm. that's also something that I want to make sure that people realize that is not glamour magic whatsoever.
0: Yeah, for sure you know and and there are definitely people who cultivate that a lot too right you know i've run into them in in various places at conferences and on the street and wherever and you know it's you can see that that what they're looking for i mean that that ultimately it's all ego right you know it's just all their ego trying to become the center of attention to, you know, it's got a, a sort of a narcissistic feel to it. There's not space in the connection for anybody else often. You know, th- those are the, the sides that I see as being problematic, kind of like you talked about earlier, right? Like, how do you feel after you spend time with them? Do you feel like, oh, my God, I just hung out with a fancy person? Or do you feel like, wow, what a, what a great and fulfilling connection I just had?
1: Exactly. And um, faux glamour is about hierarchy, It's this very like, I don't know, like toxic, even if it's a woman doing faux glamor, it's a toxically masculine way of like trying to make yourself higher Mm. than another person, Um, making things very binary, uh, making things less fluid. And to me, glamor magic, it's the epitome of like what very empowered feminine magic is about. And when you think about what does feminine, healthy energy feel like it's fluid, there is an hierarchy. You know, there's this this watery depth to it. And that's what we're going for, this sort of, like, wonderful, um, kind of, like, permeable sort of energy. Mm-hmm. And in that energy, there is no room for I'm better than you, I know more people than you, I have more followers than you. There's no room for that.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think that, you know, it, it being tied to, you know, toxic masculinity, being tied to sort of capitalism, and all that kind of consumerist stuff right you know i think that that all of those pieces can because because we've you know predominantly all grown up in in those kinds of elements or around those elements right that's part of that going in and and exercising you know removing those things basically being like huh that feels off that feels like that makes me feel grabby or greedy or competitive or this or that or whatever. Yes. You know, looking at those feelings when they emerge, and uh, you know, and then sort of saying, okay, well, what is that about me? And where did I get that from? And how do I how do I release that so I don't need to carry that with me into this process?
1: Totally, and I think that you know, people think that men can't do glamour magic, but. You know, men can often benefit the most from this feminine, fluid, non-hierarchical type of magic that is Mm -hmm. glamour magic. And when you're around a man who's doing glamour magic right, again, it's that same warm, wonderful feeling. It's not this like, whose dick is bigger than whose, you know? Mm
2: -hmm. So
1: again, it's like the glamour magic that I do is very makeup-centric, so it's very femme-centric, but there's lots of different types of glamour magic. It's a very diverse, democratic thing
0: sure have you seen my mustache right
2: (laughs) (laughs) you know
1: literally
0: like the amount of people who comment on it and engage with it and whatever it's like you know it's funny I uh I've been going through all the stuff in my house and you know getting rid of stuff and reorganizing and stuff over the last couple of months and uh I just found this picture that I've been like looking for for a little while which is me at high school graduation oh. my 12 inch Mohawk and my uh, fish tie and my fabulous plaid jacket that I wish I still had and oh. uh, you know all this stuff and this conversation today reminds me of the various ways in which uh, you know that was glamour magic right being like those kind of expressions so clearly articulate and define directions for connection right and you know the people who would just come up to me and start talking about my hair or whatever back then you know it both uh tended to draw predominantly great kinds of attention my way contrary to what many people would think and uh and then occasionally it would steer the other people away you know where people would just be like don't look at him don't look at him i would be like kidding whatever right like come on but but either way you know it, it sort of sets and sets an energy into the world right And then, you know it's the same you know having a big handlebar mustache right people are like especially kids they love it right and i think that yeah i think that exactly um i think that uh you know if you're not certain about these kinds of things look at what the what kids are drawn to, right? What do kids? How do kids engage with you? You know, because in, with both of these things, you know, kids are like, "Oh my god, I love your mustache," or they're like, oh, "I love your big spiky hair." Blah blah blah. Like they they don't have that bias, and they're such a great indicator of that glamour, you know. And I'm sure that that you know you get that too, where they're just like, "Wow, look at how great your hair is, or your your eyes, or whatever." Right?
1: I definitely have, especially like even little boys. Um, They like the sparkles that I have on my face. Sure. (laughs) I think that's fun. So what I found is that glamour magic, if we're talking about visual glamour magic, there's many different kinds. But visual glamour magic for me is when you're wearing your heart on your skin. So Mm -hmm. your outer matches your inner. And to have that congruence between inner and outer, that's a skill. When you can go out into the world and the way that you present it matches how you feel on the inside. That is something that most people in their life, they feel like they can't do, they repress, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So when you're going out with your mohawk, with your handlebar mustache, you know, you're being you. And that's like an aspect of you that matches how you feel on the inside. That's sort of like, maybe for the handlebar mustache, it's like that more playful, like stylish aspect of you that's like, you know, showing on your skin. And so the way that people interact with you when you're being you, um, I would have to say there's probably lots of people who wish that they could have the handle mustache, but I don't know, they, they're worried about what other people might think, or who knows. Mm-hmm. And so they're not able to just be themselves and be authentic. There's that block. So again, it's like glamour magic, it requires this amazing amount of self-awareness and bravery.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I think that's definitely true. And I also think it's it requires, it seems to me that it requires um, a real centeredness yes. in yourself, right? You know, right. I think about the, you know, like, I was joking with somebody who was talking about clothing, and they're like, I'm sorry, we'll pause for one second while the phone rings here. <laughs> Downside to being at the shop. <laughs> There's no off button on the ringer. It's like, ugh.
1: I feel like you should put like a photo of your handlebar mustache like, mm-hmm. on the show notes. I've <laughs> so
0: totally can, gone to, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah,
1: totally. Yeah. Oh, can just, there should be like a, a, a gif or a gif of me just being like... Yes, <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, I have, uh, I have a friend who does um, uh, like photos, like, you know, professional portraits and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. uh, they're just in India right now, but in maybe I think they're back next month when they're back, I'm going to do a photo shoot and stuff and just... Yeah, the whole like yeah. have it super waxed and, you know, yeah, I'd definitely Ooh, do like girl. a couple of well, those, <laughs> you know, bad guy kind of. Ooh,
1: yeah. or that like Salvador Dali sort of like. Mm. Exactly, exactly.
0: <laughs> All right, I'm going to clap and we can get started again. Sure. Um, so I think there's also that temptation sometimes to um, look at what other people are into and what other people are doing, you know, or to kind of get pulled off tracked by that you know somebody was asking me a little while ago you know because i've been reorganizing my my house we're having conversations about the kinds of things i have and they're asking me like about fancy attire and i'm like i own my kilt and i i think i think i have a suit that probably doesn't fit me anymore that i don't that i never want to wear again anyway because my detour into that stuff was just so incongruous with me and how I am right you know I'm just that's not my thing and yet because of uh the fashion industry because of media you know I think it's so uh tempting to kind of get drawn into those other areas and you know and we may find something exciting there but we may also kind of come at the other side and be like that's really just not me and I don't need to ever do that kind of thing you know
1: Yeah, I think the thing about glamour magic too is that um, there is a danger also of maybe taking it too seriously. So for me, glamour magic is very playful because you're not taking the way that you look or the way that you sound. You're not taking the five senses so seriously. Um, When people start to identify too much with, um, whatever it is, their clothes or something and they stop experimenting. I mean, I'm glad that you went through, you know, your little soup phase, you know, you had to go through it, see what mm-hmm. it was like. You had to try it. But think about all those people who haven't had the handlebar mustache. Maybe they would love it, but mm-hmm. they haven't tried it. That's true. Right. All right. So, I mean, like looking at your mustache right now, I kind of wish that I could grow one as well, because uh-huh. I think that'd be super awesome. Just like when I'm thinking, just to be like, you know, like kind of like (laughs) playing with the ends of them, you know, and have a lot of work, you know. So the thing is, is that people who are really opposed to glamour magic, even if it's authentic, they say that it's superficial. I say, so what? Why is it that people put so much emphasis, whether it's too much about the superficiality or too much against it, when you're too identified with the visuals and beauty, then you become a slave to it versus when you're distant from it. Mm -hmm. When you're just like, this is just this thing. This is my meat suit. I'm going to die. Whatever. I don't give a shit. Mm -hmm. Then it's just fun. Then you can be like, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try gender bending. I'm going to try. I'm a dude, but I'm going to wear heels just because I've never worn heels. And who knows? I might like it. Maybe I won't. Oh, I hate it. Okay. But I tried it. Whatever.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, you know, hopefully we're all going to live to be old and super wrinkly. And, uh, (laughs) you know, like... Uh, yeah it's uh, people used to ask me stuff about my hair back when I had my mohawk and whatever you know and uh, I remember like at some point in one of those conversations like looking at my dad whose hair was kind of thinning and knowing that my my grandparents on the other side you know their hair was kind of thinning I'm like I just want to have fun with my hair while I still have it because I might not have it someday you know and it's like like what are we gonna worry about it doesn't really matter you know
1: Exactly. Yeah. Like right now, like my tits are amazing. So right? of course I'm going to just show them everywhere because my tits, when I'm 80 years old, like I'm going to look back at all the pictures where my tits are hanging out and I'm just going to be like, fuck, yeah, you know, yeah. It's hot. So, but the thing is, is that I can say that and think that without, feeling like, oh, my God, I'm going to die when I don't have these tits anymore. Because, again, there's that distance. It's just, this is just, this is just your looks. It's just your body, whatever. Just have fun with it.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that there's there can be so much seriousness around magic.
2: Yeah. You know?
0: Like you know, see your piece about Instagram alters. see, you know, uh, you know, like all sorts of stuff. Right. Uh, yeah. we'll link to that one in the show notes for people if they want to go and read it. But, um, but you know, the, and, and I remember being like super serious about magic, you know, at one point in my life. Right. And it's like, this is such a serious topic. I must treat it with the most respect ever. And, <laughs> you know it's not it's not that i don't respect it any less at this point but it's also like life is life is really to be enjoyed and reveled in right you know we we come down here to have or this experience you know from wherever we are on on the other side and to you know to be in a body and to enjoy that and to experience it and to be playful and enjoy the different things that life has to offer you know maybe i'm just too much of a sagittarius but i was like why do we not just enjoy all of these things you know and why do we not let magic aid us in all of those things you know
1: exactly and that's the wonderful thing about glamour magic for those who are just like well it sounds very self-centered and like you're not really caring about what society's doing and i totally beg to differ mm-hmm. because what glamour magic does is it kind of positions you in a way that's palatable to the mainstream so that you can actually push the boundaries better than somebody who's coming at it from a way that society's just going to be like, whoa, too much, too soon, you Mm -hmm. know? So it's kind of like, um, for example, you know, we all know of artists who, you know, we all say, oh, they were born 20 years too early, you know, or they were just way ahead of their time versus somebody who went in at the right time you know so the groundwork was already laid like society it moved a little bit to let's say the left you know a little bit a little bit a little bit and that's what plumber magic is it's putting yourself in the place so that you can push society just a little bit to the left because you're not threatening Hmm. and i think westerners especially are just like well why should i pussyfoot you know why should i try to cater to or why should i try to be anything but? you know, there's this thing we have where there's honor in being confrontational and being like mm. badass bitch, you know, like in your face, all that stuff. You can do that. Or you can do it with honey. It's your choice. And glamour magic is for those of us who would rather do it with honey.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think, that, I think that it's interesting how uh, people from different backgrounds have different approaches to this kind of stuff, right? And I think that, I think there's a time and place for both depending on what you're doing. But I think it's really, you know, um, really, it's really interesting how, depending on what you do with stuff will depend on where it goes, you know? And I think that there's a time to, you know, uh, you know, hold protests and stand in the street and yell about stuff. And that is, that can be its own Glamour as well, right? Totally. And there's time to you know, to be in a different space, you know. And it's always like, you know, as because I practice an Afro-Cuban religion, you know, it's my mm-hmm. my background. And you know, I mean, Santeria, the the more common name for it, that stuff tends to freak people out a lot.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But whenever they have conversations with me about it, because I don't have any, in part because I don't have any internal conflict around it and Mm -hmm. any real concern about it and they're like oh that actually sounds super reasonable I'm like I know that's why I'm involved it's (laughs) super reasonable you know it's not this that or the other projection that people have put on it and and those kinds of things really open people's eyes to a different way of looking at it to a different way of experiencing it so yeah
1: right there's All different types of glamour magic, and one of the most successful types of glamour magic that anyone can do is becoming accessible. You know, I I call it kind of like the girl next door, boy next door sort of vibe. And that's when you have somebody who you can just see is pushing society in some way, whether in their lifestyle or their looks. And yet when you approach them, they're so warm and accessible and they take away that scary, ooh, too much dude feel. Mm And that sort of glamour magic is, again, after you leave talking to them, you feel warm and you feel great. The next time you, your friend says some shit about that sort of lifestyle, you're just like, well, but I met that dude and he was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So, But that's very difficult to do. And I think that to do it successfully, you yourself, you have to be so like into like, your self-awareness and self-development. And that's hard work. So glamour magic is definitely not for those who want like an easy, easy way out or like easy way to become like, I don't know, McMagicky, (laughs) all McMagicky people.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Magic, magic, magic.
1: Exactly.
0: Well, and I think that, you know, let's be honest, if you're, if you're looking for the easy way, don't don't go into magic, go do something else. It's not as straightforward as that usually, you know, I mean, for simple things, yes, but for like sort of, uh, bigger life arc altering work and stuff like that, you know, it's a lot of work and it requires work on many levels. So yeah, for sure.
2: Yeah.
0: So I want to, I have a different thing that I also wanted to talk to you about. So you basically said, fuck this. I'm going to Bali a while Uh ago. Right. and just laughed, and <laughs> I'm, I'm super curious about um, how that happens how did you get to making that decision you know uh, tell tell us the tale
1: Ooh, okay so I'm Korean American so I grew up all my life in America I'm an American citizen but about three years ago I went to Korea and that's my motherland mm-hmm. um, And that's actually when my magic came to be. So coincidence that I started to really get into my witchy stuff in, you know, like my ancestral homeland. I don't know. But after a while, I was just like, you know what, Korea, I've extracted everything I need to get from Korea. And the last eclipse, you know, when you're doing magic, you know, it's good to look at astrological transits. So the last eclipse, like last year, like in July or something, my work situation, it was just, you know, the rug was pulled out from under me, very typical eclipsy stuff. And, you know, when that happened, it was kind of like, you know, like in South Park Cartman, where it's like, fuck you guys, I'm going home. You know, like, it was sort of like that feel. And I was just like, yeah, um, bye. You know, it was this idea that magic, it will help me through making this very impulsive, within three months after deciding, you know, fuck you, yeah. I'm going, um, I was in Bali and i didn't know why i exactly chose bali but i was drawn to it and once i got to bali bali is hands down the most magical place i've ever been to there's magic going on literally on the streets like 24 mm. um, 7 especially in ubud which is the cultural center of bali so how did i end up in bali of all places right um how did i go from you know, skeptic in America to going to my ancestral homeland, becoming a witch, and then going to, hands down, the most magical place I've ever been to, maybe I'll ever go to, um, in Bali. Um, And these things, these currents that magic has brought into my life and had steered me to, um, without a doubt, I attribute it 100%, well, you know, like 80% to the magic that I was doing.
0: Mm -hmm. And... So what kind of, like, was this the glamour magic? Was this other magic? Like, what kind, of, what kind of stuff were you up to at that point?
1: Well, definitely glamour magic. It's something that I practice every single day. Yeah. But I was also working a lot with Hecate. Um, and I was giving a lot of, like, um, just uh, offerings to land spirit. You know, just, like, the basic stuff that Aidan Walter talks about in mm-hmm. Six Ways. So um, I love his book. And I think that all newbie witches should read that book. And the practices that he lays out—they're not difficult to do, and they have wonderful effects on your daily life. And so it was
2: mm-hmm.
1: nothing even that huge, except for you know, like the sorcery of Hecate, Jason Miller's course that I've been taking, and the glamour magic that I do, and Aiden Walker's Six Ways.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Aiden's book is uh, is fantastic. You know, I wish uh, I wish many years ago that that had been the book I got first. You know, instead of right. I mean. Magic and theory and practice, which is what, what I started with. <laughs> yeah, which was which was great, but also like yeah, perplexing and contradictory and yeah, so on.
1: You know, I kind of skipped over a lot of the books that a lot of magic people mm-hmm. um they started with. Um because again, I've only been doing this for like consciously for the past two years. Sure. So um like it's only now, like I just interviewed uh Marco Visconti, Marco Visconti. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh he's like a alistair crowley expert so it, it's only now that i'm just like oh shit oh yeah crowley right
0: yeah that dude
1: <laughs> that that guy yeah um so like the way that i got into magic it was just so i don't know like it, it, it's non-traditional but again it's like the magic that i was doing i feel like anybody could have done it and maybe they wouldn't have had the exact same results as me, but mm-hmm. definitely their life would have shifted and, you know, like life would have pulled them in the way that they were supposed to be going. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that when we start doing magic, then the world starts reciprocating, right? Oh, and, totally. And, you know, I mean, in your case and in many people's cases, maybe the ancestors start reciprocating, right? Right. You know, and like pulling you in a different direction and, you know, helping you find those places where you feel so uh, something completely different, you know, and and, that might be right around the corner from you or it might be, you know, far, far away. Right.
1: Absolutely. Like, um, so Korea is a very Neo-Confucian culture. So Confucius, for those of you who uh, have never heard of him, um, he was this Chinese philosopher and he was around when like China was going through a shit ton of wars and he was just like, oh, chaos. This sucks. Hey, let's build like an ordered society. Let's build hierarchy. Emperor on top. Old people, dudes on top. And everybody just kind of like obeys an order. And then Koreans were like, love that system. And we're just going to take it even further. We're going to inject steroids into that system. It became <laughs> and so a lot of Neo Confucianism it has to deal with ancestor veneration. So it's like literally like in the DNA of like millions and millions of Koreans, like modern Koreans, like mm-hmm. the ancestor veneration in Korea. It's like there's two major holidays in Korea. And on those days, the country shuts down. This is like a first world country, right? like super modern, it shuts down and people, millions of people are setting out a table filled with like food for their ancestors um, and worshiping ancestors. They may not understand why, but it's happening across Korea on two days, specifically millions of Koreans. And of course, Americans, we don't really do that. Mm -hmm. And um, Christianity, when it came into Korea, tried to discourage that. But when I went back to Korea, and, and Koreans are very good at kind of meshing a lot of the old Confucian ways with Christianity. Mm-hmm. Uh, Korean-Americans are a lot more hardcore with their Christianity, but that's a totally different story. But when I went to Korea and I was in the presence of the mountains, which are considered like ancestral, uh, like holy places. By the way, North and South Korea, it's like split in half. And there's this mountain range that's considered like the spine of the dragon that's been cut in half because the country was cut in half. And um, even Kim, Jong, Kim Jong-un, Kim Jong Kim Jong-il, anyways, those guys, the North Korean dictators, like all their propaganda, it involves like them being on the mountains. Like mountains are a huge deal in mm. Korean ancestral anything. So being in the land of the mountains and my ancestors, um, and just being part of this magical current, like without a doubt, like I think that ancestor veneration is probably one of the easiest ways to get into magic.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think so. You know, in my tradition, everything starts there, right? Start working with your ancestors, you know, sort out stuff with your ancestors. You know, it's the, it's the place where you can gain the most ground, the quickest. It's a place where people can do the most on their own, I think. And uh, it's the place that if you don't sort out that business, then, then, Like you can work on your shadow all day long, but if you're doing a lot of magic and your, your ancestors and your relationship to the ancestors isn't resolved, that's basically just a big piece of ancestral shadow that can always come in and mess things up if you haven't fixed it, you know?
1: Yeah. I totally forget where I read this, but it was about how, what happened to your grandmother, like DNA, like wise, like whatever sort of life that she led, it's like, in your DNA as well. It's something about up to certain generations. Mm-hmm. So think about how many um, people in the world, maybe the majority of the world's population, they have so much trauma in their DNA because of, you know, war and and yeah. all that. I mean, especially in places like Asia. I mean, the Korean War happened in my grandmother's generation. Sure, and if you're in Southeast Asia, we're talking Vietnam War that happened after the Korean War, we're talking about massacres that happened in Cambodia. Yeah, There's a lot of trauma that's in our DNA. And I didn't really believe in any of that, to be honest, um, as a skeptic. Mm-hmm. But I remember um, there's this one doctor, I think his name is Dr. Bruce Lipton or something like that. And he's like a mainstream doctor, right? He's not you know, like this woo-woo guy, and he was talking about DNA and about the effects of of basically ancestral trauma on DNA. And that's when I was just like, oh, a little bit more open-minded about it. Mm-hmm. So if mainstream science is starting to sort of get into it more, I'm just like, oh, well, magic was way ahead of <laughs> the science. For started. sure.
0: Yeah, and I think if we if we think about, uh, you know, the the past several generations, right? Like, yeah. we don't have to go back very far before there was probably difficulty, tragedy, poverty, war, the depression, you know, like all those wars and conflicts of the last century. Um, yeah. And then also just, you know, more random things like violence, tragedy. You know, we go back a few generations. What was the infant mortality rate? How many people watched their kids die? You know, I mean, so many of those things um, were, were just way of life, right? But that yeah. doesn't mean that they didn't come with trauma and they weren't difficult, and it didn't mean that they're not still affecting us now. So for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I think that clearing out the ancestral trauma, um, I, I interviewed um, Liv Wheeler, who's a Contumbly voice diviner. And this was an interview that, but first interview that I did in Bali. And it was such a neat coincidence that I was able to talk to her. And she works a lot with ancestral um spirits and and she was talking about how she, you know, and people who are sensitive, they can see how um I don't want to say that they're ghosts, but like there's ancestral residue that mm-hmm. can stick to people. Sure. So clearing it is, you know, like guys, like that's for everybody's benefit. Like it helps the ancestors mm-hmm. who are able to kind of like let go of their baggage. It helps you. So it's like a win win for everybody. When for sure, ancestral cleaning.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Or even just um, paying attention to them, right? Like just
1: yeah,
0: say some prayers for them. You know, light a candle for them periodically.
1: Acknowledgement. You know, yeah. like
0: just just that alone can make a huge huge difference, right? You know, totally. it doesn't it doesn't need to be, you know, big shamanic this that or the other thing or elaborate ceremony or whatever. You know, just be like, hey, hey everybody, hey all you people that I came from. <laughs> just saying these prayers for you. These are the prayers that I think you would like, you know, because that's what you liked when you were alive, you know, or whatever. And it's so helpful, right? It can move so many things and provide so many uh, possibilities.
1: Exactly. You know? And for the skeptics out there, um, when you do these rituals, okay, even if you don't believe in any of the ancestral residues or anything like that, and you're just like, well, you know, just doing it just makes you feel better. It's a placebo effect. So what? it helps you it brings peace to your life anyways so I don't see any downsides to it and that's how I've always operated I'm still a skeptic in a lot of ways so for me it's like what do I see in this mundane world that shows that it's working and Mm. that I just go on that and every time I've done magic my life has become more authentic and it's moved in ways that feel better so even if I'm a skeptic I'm okay with it
0: so how how has your skepticism changed over time?
1: In a lot of ways, it's become more entrenched because now I'm just like, oh shit! I'm starting to really believe in this stuff. Can't do that, you know. Gotta stay like mm-hmm. like uber skeptical, especially now that I'm starting to be like, whoa, this is magic. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that, and I think that's a very healthy way of moving through magic because. Okay, one of the things that I learned in Bali, there was this amazing Balinese friend that I have. Well, not was, but he still is, um, Nano. And he was just a simple wood woodcarver. Um, and that's, you know, he was just a master woodcarver, him and his dad. And he was talking about how at the age of 40, a lot of Balinese people decide they're gonna retreat from public life mm. and they're going to just study. And in Bali, they do like a, it's mainly a Hindu, island but they do kind of like their own tropical hinduism Mm um but he was saying how a lot of people not a lot but there's all these people who decide you know i'm just going to read the books i'm smart i can learn what i need to learn like from these books and stuff and they don't get a teacher and you can tell because these are people who become super ungrounded and he was like, oh, you know, you can tell that they didn't have a teacher because they're going to go out and they're going to like talk to trees, but like like a crazy person and you know, their life is going to go to shit versus when you have a teacher and you're grounded because you have somebody who can tell you, whoa, you're seeing visions, kind of ignore that. Maybe that's just your imagination. Oh, you're having visions and it came with this. Maybe there's something to it, you know, it's mm-hmm. having somebody to help guide you. So it's almost like an outside skeptic. Mm -hmm. Um, that's very helpful and that's when i realized the importance of having teachers mentors and like a community outside to kind of help steer you away from being way too ungrounded
2: Mm -hmm.
0: yeah i think uh you know as a as a as a godparent in my religion to people you know you could definitely sort of say that one of my jobs is to be skeptical of some of that stuff for people right, right. like oh yeah, yeah that's great you had a dream let's go ask let's go actually ask the oracle that we use to speak with these spirits and see what they say like let's you know or whatever right and you know and sometimes we find out uh something really profound when we notice things and sometimes we find out that it didn't mean anything right i remember uh I remember I was like doing this series of ceremonies and um, like every day I was doing this series of ceremonies for a while. And at the same point in the ritual, which was also kind of like the the peak of the invocation part,
2: uh-huh.
0: um, the sound would start happening in my temple space. And and I was like, what is that? What is going on? What's manifesting, Like whatever. And, you know, and I go around and I'm like trying to figure out if it's something, is it like the pipes or is it this or that and nothing. Right. Like no obvious, um, you know, reason why that sound is there. And So I went to my teacher and told him and he's like, I don't know. And I was like, Oh, I wanted to be something profound, but okay. And, uh, and this went on for like, I forget how long I was doing this work. Like maybe a month, maybe six weeks. And then right near the end, what I realized was that the uh, oil lamp that I was using, uh-huh. when it got hot enough, it made uh-huh. the sound, right? And it just <laughs> happened to coincide with that moment in the ritual, right? So, you know, it's just like those things, uh, the phenomenon of things aren't necessarily worth getting caught up in. They're worth noticing. Yes. But they're oh, also worth saying, well, if that's significant, I'll know that in time. But right now, I'm just going to notice it and carry on with what I'm doing.
1: Right. I think there's this thing where I just get very okay because before the magic thing I was one of those women who like saw other women get really into new age stuff Mm -hmm. and you know they're like so into like crystals and like whatever and it was just kind of like it was very annoying I call it like the Gwyneth Paltrow effect right and it was very like have you seen this YouTube video called like shit new age girls say It's like a parody.
0: I've seen a bunch of those videos. I don't know if I've seen that specific one, but
1: it's, it's so spot on. And I remember thinking, Oh girl, you are so ungrounded. I can't be around you. You know, like everything is Pleiadian and alien spaceships are, you know, right above you. And you know, like you're going to wear a purple skirt and shit because it's like bringing your energy somewhere. And I was just like, I can't deal. Yeah. Right. And I was like, okay, super ungrounded energy. I don't like that. And so that's the reason why the more I get into magic, the, the more like stringent and hardcore my skeptic has to become. Because I'm just mm. like, if it doesn't do that, then I'm afraid that, you know, like, instead of being in this world and doing magic in this world, I'm just going to be like off in La La Land, doing magic mm. in like some abstract fourth, fifth, 20th dimension.
0: Sure. Or nowhere at all. Perhaps,
1: or right? nowhere at all. Yeah. And that's no fun because we're like in this world, we're living in this world. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. like, let's have fun in this world.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to thank you for taking time to hang out and chat with me today. Oh,
1: thank
2: you.
0: And uh, I understand you have a a thing coming up, a course on some of this stuff that might be of interest to people who are listening.
1: Yeah, so I'm actually putting on my very first magic class. And it's going to be about, surprise, surprise, glamour magic. And it's called Fierce. Like, oh, girl, you look fierce. Um, And it's just basically a very um, accessible way of starting out in Glamour Magic. So bringing in archetypes to start putting makeup on your face to invoke, evoke, and conjure up these archetypes. And so this is just for anybody who may not be 100% into magic, or maybe you are, but I see it more as like also a really great introduction into you know, a little bit of astrological magic, but also it's a whole lot of magic in terms of like makeup magic.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So I mean, makeup is like a huge part of like my identity. I used to be a makeup artist um, when I was in college. So it's how to transform yourself using mundane tools. Instead of using like a wand, you're using a blush brush. Uh, Instead of drawing sigils on a piece of paper, you're drawing a crisp cat eye with an eyeliner brush. Mm with liquid liner same thing so it's taking magic with makeup and transforming yourself and doing it all with this like real glamour not faux glamour
0: perfect and where where do people who want to come and bask in your glamour find you (laughs) on the social media these days
1: oh well they can just google witches wine usually my youtube channel comes up like first thing um and on on social media it's, it's You can just look me up. Um, It's hi, Chawan. But I think it's mainly through my YouTube channel. All my social media stuff is there. Perfect. Awesome.
0: Well, thank you so much for making time to chat. It's been a real pleasure.
1: Thank you, Andrew. So good to talk to you.
0: Thanks, as always, for listening. I was just chatting with someone who was trying to give the podcast a review in iTunes. And I just wanted to share how easy that is. While you're in the podcast app, you click on the library, which is where it shows you all the podcasts that you listen to or subscribe to. And you click on the Hermit's Lamp podcast, and then you just scroll to the bottom, and you'll see that there is the option to give us a star rating and to write a review. And then you just click the button that says send, and it shoots off to the interwebs, and it helps the Hermit's Lamp podcast be found for people who are searching this kind of thing both online and in the podcast app so if you've enjoyed it do me the solid go and do that right away
2: thanks for your support as always and i'll be back soon with another episode